Hello and welcome to our Not Just Bot podcast, uh, where we'll be talking about Beyond Time to Talk Day, um, as it's been about a week and a bit since the actual day. Um, so we're sort of looking at having open conversations around mental health and how we can do more to continue to open those conversations. Um, I'm Dan Chevalle, I'm your Vice President Education and Welfare, and we've got a few student guests with us today. So if you'd just like to go around the room and introduce yourselves. If we start with Kat. Hi, I'm Kat Greenwood. I'm a third year politics student and I'm currently the welfare officer for the Photographic Society here at Winchester. And Chloe. Hi, I'm Chloe Robbins. I'm currently studying criminology with psychology and I am a student officer. And then Lyndon. Hey, I'm Lyndon Winters. I'm a second year acting student and chair of Winchester Fields. And we also have a Vice President Activities, Dan Hepburn, on the call as well. Um, so if we get started, so the first question I'll just ask out is, what does the term mental health mean to you? If we start with Kat on that one, please. I'd say that mental health is kind of difficult to define. So by defining it about what it is positively, we can understand kind of how that can then affect us when it turns more negative. So I'd say that it's more of a state of well-being, um, of being able to consciously understand and cope with the stresses of normal and everyday life, um, but also to be able to realise our own abilities and potential and utilise them to become more productive and, um, like, uh, sorry, uh, productive and also contribute into society as a greater whole, and that is about um, prioritising your individuality and kind of what works for you. That's really brilliant, Kat. Chloe, I don't know, do you have anything to add to that point? Um, not really. I would just say that it's kind of like all to do with emotional well-being and how you feel. Yeah, definitely. And Lyndon? Um, yeah, I mean, similar stuff. I'd say that I think a lot of the time when someone says mental health, you immediately go towards the sort of negative aspects of it. Oh, mental health problems and stuff. Whereas, yeah, if we could reframe it to be like your mental health is just your health in a more positive or at least roundabout kind of way would be better. Yeah, definitely reframing that conversation so it becomes much more normalised um, is a really important part of that. Um, pass over to Dan Hepburn for the next question. Thank you all for your really good um, comments on the first question. I think it's really good to hear, especially for student mental health, kind of having that positive outlook on it um, rather than focus on the negatives. I think that's a really, really good approach. Um, and kind of a step moving forward, something that we can def definitely work on. Um, the second question we have for you today is kind of related to the first question, um, but kind of more about how you feel and how you find it opening up to people how you feel. Um, we understand that people have different mechanisms of doing this. Um, start with, I'll start with Lyndon first. Um, so how do you find it opening up to people about how you feel? Um, I mean, obviously it depends on the person. Um, Coming to uni, obviously you're making new friends, and then obviously opening up to them to the for the first time can be scary. You know, you never want to be the problem person or whatever, um, because I think yeah, there's a lot of shame really around opening up and being like, oh, I'm not feeling that great or whatever. And we're British as well. It's always sort of, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, regardless of how it really is. Um, but I think if you if you do open up, if you make the first step and you make it real casual type thing instead of building up into this, this huge thing uh it's a lot easier for them to like reflect the same 
casualness back at you and make it into just a conversation? Yeah, I think that's a really, really good answer. Um, making sure those conversations are happening and keeping them as, as casual as you want to be or having that kind of serious as aspect as well. I think that's really, really good. Um, Chloe, do you have anything else to add? Um, I think it is really challenging to open up um, because you're scared about people kind of disregarding your emotions or just being like, oh, yeah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. I get that too. But I think once you open up, you find that you're not alone and you actually feel more comfortable and it can definitely build friendships and make stuff stronger as well. Yeah, brilliant. And Kat, if you wanted to, to answer this question as well. Um, yeah, I think that there's definitely a stigma around opening up. I think both for like uh, men and women. Personally, I find it actually quite difficult to open up to people around me. I always kind of see myself as the person that people come to. I want to be open. I want to be available for others. I want to be there to support people. And so it feels difficult then to be the vulnerable one in that situation when you're used to having other people um, be reliant on you in like some aspects that you actually need to kind of reciprocate but also I think that there is definitely a healthy part of friendships and relationships that we have is that we do need that exchange that it's not just take it's not just you taking on everybody else's stuff but also that but to kind of overcome that and to actually kind of put yourself first and prioritize your mental well-being and so there's definitely a stigma in that relationship as well. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, and Kat, obviously you are the wellbeing rep of the Photography Society. Um, and we try to give our wellbeing reps as much training as possible to kind of deal with the people coming to them. And we do kind of understand that sometimes those reps do feel a bit left out and that they have no one to go to. Um, so if you don't mind going into a bit more detail about kind of your role and how you found it this year, um, being in that role and having that that kind of responsibility. Um, yeah, so as I've mentioned, I'm the Welfare Secretary for Photographic Society. Um, so there aren't many wellbeing issues in it because we kind of take photos. But um, yeah, it, I've only kind of been elected since November, so I'm still kind of fairly new to the role. Um, but I have been part of the society for a while now, uh, since my first year. I would say that like a lot of the role is about actually engaging people and allowing them to open up and provide that space for them. Um, in the society, I do something called Motivational Monday, where we do a takeover of the Instagram story to talk about issues such as like allowing yourself to open up to your friends, mindfulness, but also kind of self-love, self-care issues, though, that our members, even though like we're not very intensive in kind of that idea of a session or society, that actually they do feel that there's a safe space for them, but they can open up and also like privately understand their mental well-being. And I think that that's an important part of being a welfare officer for kind of any kind of group is to provide that voice for people, to provide that space for people and also provide people that information um, that can be used to actually positively affect their mental well-being. Yeah, brilliant. Um... To any students that are listening that are part of activity groups, I hope Kat doesn't mind me saying to please get in touch um, because the activity team are really, really happy with the kind of the spin on the um, activities and sessions they are holding. We think they're really great. So, um, yeah, like I said, I hope Kat, you don't mind me saying that. Um, I'll pass on yeah, to Dan. That, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. Um, I'll pass now on to Dan, who might want to plug the advice centre before moving on to the next question. 
Yeah, so um, talking there about this sort of collaboration between myself and Dan for this podcast was the aim of sort of bringing well-being and activity group participation kind of together and having that sort of collaborative working. So we do have obviously our advice centre who our advisor does the training for look after your mate, um, very involved in well-being rep training um, and as a service is really good for starting that conversation point. Um, Things like the well-being cafe, much more informal levels of support to get that first sort of branch into speaking out about how you're feeling. Um, if you don't feel like you've got others to speak to. Um, so sort of on this sort of productive conversation we're having about speaking up about feelings and being more honest and open, how do you think we can collectively continue to destigmatize the fears about speaking out and speaking up um, in society at the moment? And if I start with Lyndon. I think, annoyingly, I think it takes brave people to do the first steps and then everyone else can kind of follow. Like, if you're one of the people that is just very anxious about sharing and stuff, there shouldn't be the pressure on you to then be the one. Oh, I really should open up so that other people can follow. Um, just a massive ongoing dialogue. I think that everyone needs to just talk about it, not all the time, but you know, a lot so that everyone just knows that it is okay. Uh, in our degree, every morning we have a sort of check in. Everyone just goes around in the circle and just sort of says how they're feeling or whatever. Most of the time it's just like, yeah, I'm good. But other times it's like, oh, I am exhausted. I've had this, I've had that and stuff. And it's just a good way of, yeah, just destigmatizing it, at least in that section of the uni. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, because in our meetings, internal meetings in the SU, our engagement manager always asks us if a number we are, basically, um, as to how we're feeling. And that starts that conversation piece around just making it more normal to have a conversation about how you're feeling and your well-being, as well as just generally with what's going on within your work or studies. Um, Kat, if you wanted to come in on anything there. Um, I think a part of the big issue is kind of like with well-being and society as a whole is kind of just like our relationship to our culture. So British culture is something that's inherently very closed. We're always told we have to have a stiff upper lip, that we always kind of have to present ourselves as being OK. And that's kind of the keep calm and carry on kind of war ethic that you have. Um, and I think that that's interesting how it's kind of correlating into today's society where these kind of pent up emotions are actually coming through, especially in young men through issues such as lad culture, where I feel like it's an expression of masculinity and because you can't talk about your issues, you then kind of turn and express them in different ways. Um, and then also kind of like research that uh, actually shows that if you aren't open about and speak about how you feel, you're actually less likely to recognize your mental health problems. And so those kind of combinations creates this kind of stigma about mental health speaking out and that actually we don't really recognize the issue in the first place to even try and resolve it. And we kind of rely on other people to say, actually, you're not all right. And actually you need this. And actually it's okay to be allowed to feel things or allowed to express things or allowed to have a problem in this situation and so I think that's kind of like the main issue that we have as a society at the moment is just how kind of reserved and closed we are uh, even when we come to casual conversations we don't want to get too deep into it because it might be too personal yeah, I think that's an excellent point there and something about lad culture we'll sort of be exploring a little bit later on um, and about that whole sort of cultural shift in um, society. I don't know if, Chloe, you've got anything else to add on that one as well. Um, I just agree that I think it really just 
to destigmatize it we just need to talk about it and eventually hopefully there won't be the stigma around it because there's not really such thing as an ideal or perfect mental health everyone's got struggles everyone's got personal things they're battling and the idea of a perfect mental health could be creating a stigma so I think just talking about it will help create well help destigmatize it that's brilliant thank you and we'll sort of now move on more into a conversation about activity groups and so I'll pass over to Dan to sort of have that conversation about participation and activity groups thank you for all your brilliant answers um two things I've picked up on was Chloe's comment about um the ideal mental health and how different individuals have different needs um and trying to cater to all of those can be difficult and another thing I picked up on was that collectiveness and working together as people and as a society to destigmatize um, mental health. So thank you for your comments. Um, like Dan said, we're going to go on to activity groups and how being a part of them can help with open these conversations. Um, so the question is, are you part of any activity groups? Um, and if you are, how does participation in this affect slash help with open conversations? Um, I think I'll move on to Lyndon first. Um, if you could possibly talk about Winchester Fields and the work you do and then um, move on to how your participation, how your members feel participation um, helps with op opening this conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, yes, I mean, we're still a pretty small society, really. We get together usually once a week, coffee, whatever. Um, and there'll be maybe five of us, maybe six on a lucky day. Um, and we just, we don't really do much. We don't have an agenda or a plan. We just get together, we have coffee and we just chat. Um, it's just a really chill place to kind of, if you have stuff you want to talk about, you talk about it. Otherwise, it's just a nice place to kind of let go of all the stress of the week uh, and not have to think about all the things that are on your mind constantly all the way through the week when you're jumping from this module to that module. Um, and yeah, I'm also in uh, badminton and uh, rounders just for myself, just for some exercise and stuff and a bit of ugh, banter as they call it. Yeah, I think that's really brilliant. Um, and any of those that are listening that, that want to get involved, please do contact Linton um, because I know they'll be more than happy to kind of help with um, joining the society and it's, it's a really great society in it. Um, so please, please do get involved. I will now move on to Chloe to kind of explain your experiences, whether you've been part of any activity groups and how that has helped. Um, yeah, I'm part of the climbing and mountaineering societies. So we go rock climbing and I find not just like mentally, but physically kind of doing exercise helps clear and focus your mind as well. And then with being with a group of people that you see so often, it really does help open up conversations and you feel more comfortable and you're in like a nice atmosphere. So I really think activity groups can help improve your mental health and just being part of a group can help you um, open up really. Yeah, brilliant. Um, Kat, obviously you are in the Photography Society and you've, you've touched on this before. I didn't know if there was anything else that you wanted to add. Um, so Kat? Um, yeah, so I am in the Photography Society, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, <laughs> um, but I'm also part of the Teaching Society, so I thought I would add on to that. Um, so this week on teaching, because it fell on Valentine's Day, they did a whole session based on self-love 
and basically did it about relaxing and kind of prioritizing mental health. And I think that that is so important, that teaching as a society also represents something else. It represents that there is a community of support for you, especially in a degree or a, um, a subject so hectic and stressful and time consuming as teaching, that actually there are people there who understand what you're going through, who can support you and also help you with your work and also provide that space such as what they did on Monday for actually people to come and just relax. Um, and then and that people can understand kind of the similar situation. I think that's a part of the attraction of societies within university is that you can find commonality with people whether it's through, um, we ran a mindfulness photography session, so it was prioritizing mental health, but also doing it through our conjoined love of um, photography, or through just uh, talking about your feelings and just having that ability to relax during like teaching. Um, and I think that's really important. Brilliant. Um, I think a common theme from all three of you is that being part of an activity group not only helps you um, physically, but also your mental health really does reap the benefits um, and I may be biased as vice president of activities but I really do think that it really does help um, and when I was a student I, I was part of one too and it that community sense and that community feeling really does help um, and the open conversations were brilliant and um, so any students that are listening and want to get involved please please do contact me um, because we're more than happy to help. Um, I will now pass on to Dan for the last question. Yeah, I think just reflecting on that, it's really from my sort of hat, Vice President of Education and Welfare, it's just realising the potential of that collaboration between often what can seem quite separate zones of welfare and activities, um, but actually how intrinsically linked they can be really and how you can kind of embed wellbeing and welfare um, and sort of change in mindset through um, subliminally through those sorts of routes. Um, so I think it would be good now to move on to a little bit of discussion about um, more specifically the lad culture piece and sort of men's mental health is um, from the sort of let's um, time to talk day we sort of saw we saw a key theme um, from students talking about men's mental health and this fear of vulnerability and speaking up so I think reflecting back from that day it'd be good um, if we start with Lyndon there just to sort of talk about that particular piece. Um, yeah, sure. Lad culture. I guess it's sort of this. It really ties into the whole kind of British culture we've been talking about before. I think that kind of you don't show your emotions uh, and the ones that you do show are the acceptable ones. Um, and being vulnerable around other guys is scary because you don't want to get teased. You don't want to get picked on. You don't want to be the odd one out. Um, I do think it is changing. I mean, I'm in an acting degree, so it's a slightly different type of guy in a in that. Um, Whereas I've seen the sort of the sort of football society culture going on at Bop and whatnot, very different. Um, yeah, well, I don't even know where to begin with the whole thing, really. I think it's again, it's just you open up and you take a risk, and it turns out you're not the only one that feels that way. Um, and also speaking up, if you do, if someone speaks up and they do have one of the mates being like, "Oh, you're such a snowflake" or whatever correct them be like dude it's okay to have feelings um definitely sort of yeah i think that's probably the biggest thing standing up for people that are opening up and letting them know that it is a safe space even though that's another term that people are going to be like Ugh, about 
Yeah, I think, yeah, normalising that piece around there and that kind of bystander kind of awareness in that sense, which you're highlighting there around um, if someone else is feeling empowered to speak up, making sure that they're not ridiculed for speaking up. Um, If we move on to Chloe. Um, I think society still has this idea of like the strong man, but it's really what makes people strong is opening up to people and maybe they have to be the first person to say they're struggling. And if you've got, like you said about the bystander effect, I think it's really important to call people up, especially if they're saying these things, because it is okay to have feelings and sharing your struggles. So it's really important to talk about these things because otherwise it all just gets pushed away. Yeah, definitely. That's really great, Chloe. Um, If we move on to Kat, if you've got any thoughts on this. I think that lad culture is very interesting as kind of a concept generally. Um, The kind of combination of lad, like this guy who goes out, who is possibly more misogynistic, who uh, takes a lot of drinking, um, uh, like bad behaviour generally and kind of adding to the issues with student culture we have. And then also the idea of culture being like your own identity. I think that it's interesting, yeah, that the combination of those things. And I do believe that it is an expression of the issues that we have within our society. Um, I know that lad culture started um, around the early to late 90s with the Britpop movement, around the same time that actually third wave feminism were coming in. And because of the issues that we have in our society about opening up and feeling things, and then with feminist movements saying that actually it's okay to do that, and it's okay to claim our own rights, it's okay to express our feelings, I feel that the counterculture of that, which unfortunately took over, was that men therefore need to increase the amount that they reserve themselves and that you act out and that you can, uh, you're misogynist and you do all these other things because you kind of really don't have any other outlet for it. Um, I think in terms of kind of supporting people, I did a story um, a a week or so ago, um, a part of my um, wellbeing role, so my Motivational Monday stories, I mentioned them before, um, and I did a support your mate um, kind of day where we spoke about like actually how to create the environment to have those conversations with people and how to actually, that is actually okay to kind of try and express yourself and also how to set up those conversations or those situations with your sorry those situations with your friends to try and support them and I think that doing some simple things like that simple things like knowing how to create a space for your friend knowing how to open up to your friends um, even if it's not verbally but sorry (laughs) even if it's not verbally um, that you can kind of help counteract these issues of lad culture because that then is another outlet for this kind of expression and that actually it's accepting that these kind of things are okay. That's really interesting Kat yeah I think it's it is that whole piece especially around the campaigns work you see going on about getting Britain talking um, and the you're right mate type um, campaigns as well it's kind of normalizing those conversations and sort of backdating some of the work that's previously been done which has caused this issue um I didn't know whether or not Dan you had anything from sort of your student years as a football um committee member going into this role if you wanted to add anything as well yeah there's this um like Linda mentioned um the thought around being part of a what they call would be like a masculine society or a, a man dominated for example um but I found as my time as 
being a committee member um, and being a member of football, the community was really, really great. Um, like, like I said earlier, that the community feeling really did help. And I know I was always um, willing and I was able to go to wellbeing reps or whether it was the chair or the captain, um, as they were to, there to open up. And another thing which we touched on, which resonated with kind of my student experience of being part of football was the bystander aspect. Um, I think it's really important that students understand the importance of being a positive bystander and not just if you hear something that is alarming, making sure you correct it. And I, I ensured I did that throughout my time as a student and as being a part of um, football. And I know a lot of other people did it too. So just making sure that people understand there are students out there that call people out for saying the wrong thing or for, like Lyndon said, teasing someone for opening up. Um, I think that especially will help other students and other people within society to engage in that conversation. And we understand that the, the most difficult part is starting that conversation. And once you have that conversation, it becomes more free flowing. Um, so just understanding that there are students out there that like to talk about their mental health and engage in those conversations, I think is really positive. Um, so that's kind of as a, as a football member for my last four years, um, I had a really positive experience, but we understand that there are those that still have those struggles in opening up and having those conversations. So like Dan mentioned, we at the student union are always doing things and campaigning for these mental health issues and how we can continue to support students through our advice centre um, or having our open door policy. We are always willing to have chats with students and make sure that they're feeling okay and giving them the appropriate support they need. Um, we now move on to kind of, oh, Lyndon, if you wanted to say something, that's brilliant. Yeah, I was just going to add on that we are talking a lot about being sort of reactive to people's mental health here. You know, if someone says something, you get teased, but we can also be pre proactive. Um, you know, if you're one of the outgoing charismatic kind of guys, I'm going to start again because I keep talking over my mouth. Um, yeah, if you're one of these kind of charismatic guys that's outgoing, everybody loves you sort of thing, you can also take on the responsibility to, you see a guy and be like, hey, how are you doing? Or, you know, if they've missed a couple of sessions, at whatever group you're at, be like, I've missed you, everything good. Um, and you don't have to wait for them to finally say something because it might be way too late then for whatever the issue is that's come up with them. Uh, and that'll help as well because maybe everyone's fine, but if they know that you're always going around asking if they're good, they'll know that you're there to talk to you when it's not. Yeah, I think that's really important in terms of being maybe a, a combination of the both. So being ready for any situation, whether it's speaking to someone directly or waiting for the, waiting for them to come to you. I think that's a really, really important comment. Um, Kat, if you wanted to come in. Um, yeah, I just had something to add on that. I completely agree with what you're saying, um, like approaching people first, which is kind of what I was trying to do with my Motivational Monday uh, with Support Your Mate. Um, but also that's kind of the culture that I think a lot of societies should try and adopt if possible or if appropriate for that kind of what your society is because that's something that we try and implement in photography is that we always go and check up on people if there's a new member we welcome them we make sure they're in our group chat we make sure that they know who to talk to um we always uh, if somebody's appearing down or has an issue we try and be proactive we try and talk to them about it because 
yeah, you're completely right. Leaving it to the last minute, leaving it for somebody to open up is often actually when they've begun to recognise that actually these are bigger issues and it's beginning to escalate um, drastically. And so you do need to kind of be there for people, even when they don't really kind of consciously understand it and just providing that space for people is kind of, I think, the best way to do it. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And like you said, your Mindfulness Monday is a perfect example of that. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, if activity groups and students in general want to continue that and want to kind of gain those skills, then I, th I think that's a really, really good idea. Um, we'll now move on to kind of our last last piece of um, whether there was any last thoughts or comments um, to kind of round up the podcast. It's been really, really good to hear your experiences as students. Um, and how you've kind of dealt with different situations but if there were any last comments or thoughts that you wanted to um come to speak about them please do i was just thinking um while the ladies were talking guys have a lot they can learn obviously from sort of i wouldn't call it girl culture but uh the cultures that women have um much more open you know you're meeting for drinks you're talking about your feelings and stuff um we should definitely do a lot more listening uh, and yeah, there's plenty to learn from sort of feminist discourses and stuff. Um, but then my mind started wondering, like, because there's always that trope that the guy goes to his girlfriend, she becomes his free therapist. That's always one to avoid as well. Yeah, I think that's important, making sure that communication lines are bridging that gap between not just speaking, but also having that listening ear and making sure you, you are listening and given the appropriate um, direction. Kat, if you wanted to come in. Um, yeah, I was just going to say it's like some of my concluding thoughts would be kind of um, echoing kind of what Chloe said earlier about actually that there's no kind of right mental well-being, right mental state to have. It is all purely individual and this is something that I try and replicate in the work that I do for my society. Um, so even though I do these Mindfulness Monday stories on like mindfulness and stuff, I do say that actually it doesn't necessarily work for everybody and it's okay that it doesn't. Um, and try and make things a little bit more inclusive as well so it's just not just feminine so when I did my mindfulness mon um, sorry my mindfulness photography session um so many mindfulnesses um I basically um got in like nail polish and coloring books and like bath bulbs so those are very girly things but I also brought in my Nintendo switch and some other stuff just to try and include guides a little bit more as well um because like any kind of hobby can help with mental well-being any kind of like thing to relax can help with these things and I think that actually there is kind of a difference and the idea perceived that mental health is girly um and so kind of trying to provide like little things like here's a gaming console which I know is very stereotypical um for you guys to do and I'm tricking you into relaxing and prioritizing your mental well-being um but I think, yeah, just try and do things like that and be inclusive in kind of your approach to things is like the best kind of, I think, approach to do that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant insight into what photography do and how you make sure you're being inclusive and kind of what I touched on earlier in terms of everyone is different. Everyone has different states of mental health and making sure that you are being inclusive is, is the best way. Um, to go about it. I don't know if Chloe had any final comments. 
Um, not really, but I do agree that mental health is seen more as a feminine kind of thing because even my guy friends will come to me rather than go to other guys to talk about their mental health, which is really interesting. It'd be interesting to see how we can change that. But I think it's also really important just to take maybe five minutes out of your day every day just to reflect upon your day and do some mindful activities just to de-stress and focus on yourself. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I want to hand over to Dan to kind of round up the podcast. Yeah, so firstly, just from behalf of me and Dan, to say thank you to Lyndon, Kat and Chloe for being involved in this. Um, it's been a really productive, open conversation, um, great discussion, sort of. We're kind of continuing that aim to, although Time to Talk Day was sort of a week and a half ago, we're continuing the conversations beyond this. As obviously, as we kind of all agree, we want to make sure we've been proactive as well as reactive in the way we are responding to things. And I think we sort of highlighted some really key points there around lab culture and societal opinions and how we can sort of um, approach mental health going forward and making it much more seen as, in quotes, normal. Um, for everyone and accessible to all no matter sort of who you are so i think that's everything for me so if no one's got any more last comments that is the end of our podcast so thank you for listening <laughs>